1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to
0: the end zone. i tell you what, that was a
1: spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Touchdown! Oh, he's done it again! Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben.
0: Coming at you on Thursday afternoon, early evening. What time? Four o'clock. What should I say? Thursday what? Heath, what do you think? Or is, it a, is it evening? Early evening? It is definitely afternoon.
2: Really? Yeah. doesn't feel it, like the afternoon. It's only one here, so we'll split the difference All and right. say it's like three it, because it's a yeah. weighted average of our times. It's almost dinner
0: time, you know? Like it, it, it's going to be dinner it, soon. It, it,
1: it will be evening when we're done. That's probably it's true. right
0: now. No, we're doing a 20-minute show today. Fantasy Football Today in 20. Welcome to the show. Uh, A lot of ADP today as we get you ready for what's probably a busy weekend of drafting. Uh, I know the following weekend is a very busy weekend for drafting, so we've got a ton of draft prep coming your way on fantasy football today in the next eight days or so and then beyond. Uh, And, of course, CBS Sports HQ got you covered noon Eastern Monday through Friday right now. Throughout the season, we're going to have so much coverage on HQ. We'll tell you all about that. I'm Adam Azer with Heath Cummings and Ben Gretsch. And I've got a lot of segments today. We got news on David Montgomery. We got news on Joe Mixon. We got news on Saquon Barkley. We got news on Daryl Henderson. We got three players that we pretty much never talk about that I want to talk about, but we're going to focus a lot on average draft position. Who's rising and falling in CBS leagues. And Heath does a great story every year. uh, uh, Values on other websites looking at ADP on Yahoo and ESPN. And we're not criticizing them, just players that we think based on their ADP are going too low or too high. So if you're playing on a Yahoo or ESPN league, we hate you for it, but we forgive you and we'll give you some great values um, that you you know can put in your pocket and dominate your league. Let's start with the most undervalued player in fantasy. Right now, who is it, Heath? It's Tariq Cohen. And it was
1: Tariq Cohen before David Montgomery got hurt. But it's definitely Tariq Cohen now. And you just look at last year as bad and miserable as he was last year. He still had seven of his 16 games where he caught at least six passes. That is PPR gold. And more often than not, that's going to lead to six or seven boom weeks for as a PPR running back. They play week one against the Detroit Lions. The most likely scenario at this point, I would say, is that David Montgomery is not going to be there. Tariq Cohen's probably going to be a top 12 PPR running back, and that's not because I think he's going to get 15 carries. But I think if you're giving him 8 to 10 carries now, in addition to what he does in the passing game, in a game where the Bears probably won't be down by 100, that's how he's going to start off, and he's going to have multiple of those weeks throughout the year.
0: Okay. Is he only, is Tariq Cohen only the most valuable or the most undervalued player right now in PPR leagues? In leagues where catches
1: count, like I think I looked at his ADP on a half PPR basis today, and it was like round 11 or 12. And so that's still, but if it's, but if you're in a league where it's just non PPR, no catches at all, I think with when Montgomery's out, he can still be a fine flex in that format. And maybe when he's not, but he's only the most underrated player in PPR. Yes.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Ben. Who's the most undervalued player? Oh, wait, wait. You know what? Do do we say where Tariq Cohen was being drafted? Probably put that in. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, it
1: depends. It it depends wildly, I think, on the site. But CBS ADP? Mostly he's available in like round eight, round nine of any draft, it seems like. okay. And PPR
0: on, on on Fantasy Pros and PPR, he's going 90th overall. So.
1: Uh, on CBS, he's going 90th overall. How about that? That's where he's going. Eighth round. Cool.
2: All right, Ben, you're up. I don't know. <laughs> I have one for each position, but I'll, I'll say Christian Kirk. I think Christian Kirk is the guy that I have not understood. He goes uh, at the very end of the kind of top 36 or top 40 receivers. I think he belongs somewhere higher than that. I don't think he's necessarily like in the Michael Gallup, Tyler Boyd range, but I don't think he is very far off. Um, and I, yeah, he's been a really big value. There's a lot of guys like we, we, you know, I've, I've mentioned before, I'm not very high on Marvin Jones, but there's a lot of guys like that. Some veterans that creep up ahead of Christian Kirk that I just don't understand. I I, I don't see the, the upside there. And, and I know we, Disagree on that, Heath, with with Marvin Jones, but like some some players like that, Julian Edelman, who's thirty three, has a new quarterback, has played sixteen games, only like three times in his career. Um, I, I don't I don't understand how you would take somebody like that. I don't see how that person comes back and, and has another top ten year. You're saying
0: you don't see how someone would take Edelman over Christian Kirk. Yes, I
2: don't understand that at all.
0: Wow, it's but,
2: very but based on twenty nineteen. He was a top time. Ba- no, was- no, it's
0: not based on twenty nineteen. It's based on every healthy year. Every year that Edelman's had in like the last five or six years, he's basically been the same exact And the
2: year before last year, he was out for four games. He was suspended. I guess he wasn't injured the year before. And then the year before that, he missed the entire season in 2017. Um, Mostly it's just based on last year. And, And then, yeah, the other time he played 16 games in 2016 and the other time he played 16 games in 2013. Okay, fine. Yeah, those three years.
0: Man, but I I was like, he was like, pretty good in 2018, right? Yeah, he was awesome in 2018. Yeah. Like uh, the thing is, I I was with you when you said Christian Kirk was undervalued, but now you're saying you can't see why someone would take him over Edelman. Why someone would take Edelman over him? Really? Like, yes, he's, he's been 33 so, years old. But he's been so much more productive.
2: Uh, a lot of old guys are productive because they've been in the league a long time. Christian Kirk's in his third season. They're he played even, through an ankle injury last year. He was much more efficient as a rookie, had a strong prospect profile, and emerging offense. Love him as a third-year breakout. That's you want to buy into breakout players that are emerging. Of course, guys that I'm saying are going to break out for the first time don't have a long production record. Of course.
1: But it, I think the thing that people... And I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, he was one of the ones I chose off of Yahoo because somehow his ADP is like 160th. Wow. Um, They just don't like Christian Kirk over there. Um so you should draft him in the double digit rounds on your Yahoo you draft. Yeah. But, um I I don't see First off I think people struggle with the emerging thing because he was so much worse last year than he yep. was in his rookie year. And so it's like is he getting better? Well, we hope so. Um and then I think the other thing is it's like DeAndre Hopkins is I'm being conservative with Hopkins and I've got him at 140 targets. I still think it's likely Larry Fitzgerald's going to see 100 targets. Mm-hmm. Chase right. Edmonds and Kenyon Drake are probably going to get close to 100 targets, and so I I don't know that there's like he has to have a ridiculous efficiency year, in my opinion, to be like a top 20 wide receiver alongside Hopkins.
2: Yeah, but uh, I don't believe he has to be a top 20 receiver when he's going you know in the double digit rounds and all those things. Um, I do think he could have a very good efficiency year. We've seen Fuller do it alongside Hopkins in a similar way. I I don't know that he's necessarily going to be Will Fuller. I think Fuller is very talented, but Kirk should be used downfield more. Hopkins is going to be more in the intermediate range Fitzgerald's underneath. I mean, it just kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, those are really good points. The the first one that you said struggling with the emerging thing, it's uh, a really good way of breaking down the Kirk and Edelman question for me, Edelman without Brady With the injury history, with a completely new offense, is going to throw away less. There's just no way he can do what he's done in his best best of times. His targets per game are going to come down. He's like he's like a a top
0: fifteen receiver. So I completely agree with you. But at his best, Edelman is like a top fifteen receiver, and nobody's drafting him to be that. You know, like you're right. He can't. He. It would be really surprising if he were that good. Like just to get like 95 catches with Cam Newton, it's it's never happened. I, I don't think. Right. So I don't even think there's been an 85 catch guy with Cam Newton, but I'm just saying like, he's being drafted as a number three wide receiver. Nobody's drafting the B, it, it, you know, the Edelman. Yeah. We no, could we, we move on, but, but yeah, go ahead. Wrap up, wrap up your point.
2: Well, you know, you're, you're making my point for me. It's a philosophical thing where I want to look for ceiling. And I do think there is ceiling with Kirk. There's, efficiency potential boom you just described the player who at best is probably like a wide receiver three probably if he's only getting like 80 catches he's an underneath player he's not going to be making a bunch of big downfield plays so that like and he's got a huge injury history he's got a huge floor a lot of downside to him and not much of a ceiling and so that's why i say i can't see it because of the types of players that i'm going to target
0: okay fair enough i think we all like christian kirk i didn't mean to disparage christian kirk just um want to bring up Edelman there. Uh, You're both wrong anyway. The most undervalued player is Debo Samuel who I I keep seeing going like around 120th overall. I just took him in a draft that we just finished. Uh, It was an IDP draft, so he went even later than that, I'm pretty sure, and there were defensive players picked, but Debo Samuel has a chance to be ready for week one. He was seen sprinting at practice. Uh, You don't have to draft him as a starter, so you don't need him for week one. If he ends up on the pup list, then okay, then probably maybe didn't want to take him, but Samuel had a really good rookie year. He'll run a little bit. Uh, I take him a lot, uh, yay nay on uh, Debo Samuel good Well, let me ask you this: yeah. Where does Debo have to go for him to be good value?
2: No, he's a good value across the board.
1: I struggle with him just because, like, a lot of his production last year was not something that he's probably going to do again this year. Like, you don't want to count on rushing stats for receivers, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, so he has to see an increase in volume, and Brandon Ayukes make. In some plays. He's has no, got no chance to be the number one in targets. On that team and they're going to run a ton. Uh, but I think he's probably like if he plays week one, then he is a very good value. I just but, struggle with what his upside is.
2: Yeah. I, so one thing I will just quickly note is there's some really good research that I referenced in a second year wide receiver article on CBF Sports that efficient rookies see more volume. It, it like it's an incredibly big uh, increase from year one to year two. We should expect that for Samuel if he's healthy. I do like we're also concerned about re injury, but he's so cheap, like Adam said. And especially yeah. for people like you guys, or maybe not you heat as much, but people who like to take running backs early. Samuel is a really cheap way to get some actual upside into your into your receiving court.
1: But like and, and I think the other thing that probably scares people with him is they see Dante Pettis. Oh. Um Dante Pettis was more efficient in his rookie year in San Francisco and then just completely fell out of favor.
0: That's true. I thought you meant they see Dante Pettis as in like the reports that Dante Pettis is like oh, having no. a good game. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, let's get to the big news here. So David Montgomery is out two to four weeks. Their first four games are the Lions, Giants, Falcons, and Colts. So two to four weeks, and we're, what, two weeks away from the season, basically? Two um, weeks from today, the football season is scheduled wow. to play. Two we- Sunday will be two weeks from David Montgomery's start of the season. Does this change anything in terms of him and Tariq Cohen and where they should be drafted? Um, I
1: don't know that it really changes too much for Cohen and where he should be drafted. Like, I thought he was a value before the injury. It changed things for me with Montgomery. Um, I don't think you should take him before like the 7 8 turn.
2: I and, wouldn't take him even later, I think.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, and that's like Ben didn't like him as much as I did before he was yeah. injured. So. It's really what it comes down to I think is whether you believe that David Montgomery actually has upside as a second year runner or whether you think his bad efficiency as a rookie is just what you're going to get
2: okay I made the same point you did about Cohen yesterday though and I completely agree with that that it, it shouldn't change Cohen too much and now unfortunately it might raise his ADP in a way that probably doesn't make sense for the the role that he plays because Montgomery shouldn't impact him that much.
0: Okay, Joe Mixon dealing with migraines and perhaps a lack of a contract. He is falling three spots right now in CBS ADP, but he's still 15th overall. Right now, Mixon has fallen behind Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb. So what's your read on the Joe Mixon situation, Ben?
2: I'm still concerned about the the news we heard on HQ that, that Gio Bernard's still going to play a pass-catching role. A big reason to argue for Mixon, because we know his late-season run was very heavily... Um, rushing efficiency base, something that's difficult to to repeat. A big reason to to believe in him was he's going to finally see the passing work and, and they're going to realize they need to use him in the passing game because he d- he's not a guy who plays bell cow snaps. And, and I don't think people realize that. He, they don't treat him that way. And they never have. And they didn't last year with a new, uh, a new uh, head coach in Zach Taylor last season. He played over 75% of the snaps. I believe it's only twice, one time. And then he also hit seventy five another time last year. Most of the time he's in like the sixties. And Gio Bernard is playing in a lot of the passing downs. If we're not hearing those types of things, and we're also hearing, yeah, they're going to continue to use Gio Bernard. They still like him in the passing game. He's, he's. I don't think he's viable at this at this draft position.
0: And, but I, and also there's this. Talk of a holdout. He so is that a right. big factor too with Mixon? Are you concerned about him?
2: Absolutely. There's a lot of ways he can't hit this ADP. But yeah, I was just saying that's the one that I'm even more concerned about is the passing game. We already are not seeing good signs that would justify where he's going. But now, yeah, you add in the the migraines and the and the lack of contract and missing practice. There's pretty much nothing good that can come from that, in my opinion.
1: I um yeah, I haven't drafted Joe Mixon once this year, and it's not like I was right, but I'm not lowering him because I had him as a mid-second round pick and he's gonna fall to the mid-second round now, maybe. But um I think the like the Gio Bernard thing is the biggest thing here.
0: Yeah, but yeah, but like okay, Mixon had 35 catches last year. And I always say the 50 catch thing, if you don't have 50 catches, it's very hard to be a top five running back in any format. We've seen that in the last five years. There have only been three who have done it. Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry, and Aaron Jones, who had 49 catches. But plenty of running backs finished top 12 with less than 50 catches, including Joe Mixon last year. He was 11th in non-PPR. He was 13th in PPR. It's not like he's completely uninvolved in the passing game. Uh, no, just, I've, I've he's, had him 12th. Right, right. right. I was just setting it up. Uh, so he's he only scored five rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns last year. Um, for Mixon, like... It, okay, Chubb, Jacobs, Mixon rank them in what format full PPR because all three of them have concerns I will not
2: draft any of them anymore this year so it does not matter to me man
0: the
1: the no running back thing the dead zone has been extended to like pick seven now no it's not this is not
2: (laughs) dead zone but these guys have ADPs that are very high for no foreseeable receiving role like Chubb we know Hunt is going to play a ton all all that they've been saying in Cleveland is Hunt's going to play as much as him but what about 35 Jacobs,
0: catches? That's not enough for you to, to well, warrant like a top no, 18. No, you just pick? said
2: the top five thing. And yeah, maybe you'll get a low end RB1, but why would you take that in the top 20 picks of your draft? I'll tell why you, are you trying honestly, to get a back
0: end. It's a great question. And I'll tell you why for me because I love the wide receivers I can get in rounds three and four. And I still feel like the wide receivers I can get around three and four, especially the ones that you love DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Juju Smith Schuster, like they're going so late that Mixon is so much better. Chubb, Mixon, they're so much better, in my opinion, than the other running backs. I know you're going to say skip all those running backs, but I think a lot of people say, no, Like I don't mind Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, even if they're not going to have those 50 catches in round two. And you come back and you take DJ Moore, you take Juju Smith-Schuster, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, a combination of those four, two of them.
2: Yeah, and you're going to have a lot That's of great. really good fourth-place teams this year. I don't right? know. I don't I'm, agree I'm with happy that, for right? you for that.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's a li- I think. Where's well, the explosive well, upside?
2: Michael Thomas dude, is better than those receivers. I like them, but like you got, you still got to have a good player on your team somewhere. We're you can't not— have a Joe Mixon and Nick and and Chubb to,
0: and, and Josh to, Jacobs are going to be good. Let's let's clarify this, because
1: I am 100% team Ben on this if we're talking Michael Thomas versus these running backs. I don't right. think that's the decision most no. people are going to have to make. I am te- I'm team these- Ben
0: there too. I'm talking. I'm not talking I was about comparing that. Comparing
2: the elite, re- elite receiver stretching through Julio to the receivers later, Adam can get and the roster you build is a a non elite upside running back and not only an upside receivers problem. I mean, very good receivers that I like too. But I would rather take an elite upside receiver in those top twenty picks.
1: I will go Chubb, Mixon, Jacobs, um, but and I would take any of them happily in the second half of the first round. Um, but none of them before pick 19. So the it's not second that half. Much of the second wait. Second
0: half of the second round. Yes. Second round, second round, not the first. I, I okay. want
1: both the tight ends and I want those four wide receivers. And I obviously want Austin Eckler and Derrick Henry over them. Um, but no, I, I'm happy with those guys in the back half of the second round. I would take them like because that's the point where you're choosing between them and DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith Schuster. And that's the point where I'm choosing those running backs.
0: I,
2: yeah, if this they is, fall this that is, far and the two tight ends are gone, there are scenarios where I take them. That's not where their ADP is right now, but they do go that late in some of our drafts. So he's, yeah,
0: this this is to me the single biggest decision in fantasy this year.
2: Wow, it's, wow!
0: If you
1: a, do you have some like big music to play or something <laughs> yeah. like this is? The, um,
0: let's see. Highlight
1: some mark the tape.
0: Uh, <laughs> should have some big music, <laughs> right? Uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect Big decision, yes, absolutely everybody. Absolutely Perfect. Uh, I, I do think it's. Wait, hold interesting. on, Ben. I, I, hold on, okay. hold on. Because it, within Ben's like argument with me, I think we actually have some common ground. Because I think you know when you talk about Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, and who's the fourth? Tyreek Hill, yep. for sure. Okay, I I agree. Like, I think we're basically having a PPR discussion. Yes. Like, I am probably taking Julio Jones over them, although I wouldn't mind getting, like, Jacobs and Jones. Uh, but I think after Julio Jones, the number five wide receiver for me, whether it's it's probably Godwin, I think I'm taking at least two of those three running backs that we just talked about. I'm definitely taking Mixon and Jacobs over him.
2: That's probably fair. I don't know and about I, yeah, Chubb. There is common ground there. Yeah. But so what about Kelsey we, and Kittle for you?
0: Kelsey probably... Kelsey over Chubb. I actually made that decision in a draft today. I think uh, I don't remember. Um, I made that decision. Kelsey over Chubb. I'm going to do that in full PPR, not in half, not in non. And um, I think I'm still going to take Mixon and Jacobs over Kelsey, but I could set, definitely see the argument. I actually think we have more in common on this than than you think we do, because yeah, uh,
2: yeah, maybe. I was saying the top twenty picks. All their ADP that I'm looking at is in the top eighteen, and but he, as Heath noted. There's only so many players can go in the top 18. And and he said he would take him outside the top 19. So we are kind of all like saying similar things. Like some of these guys do fall outside the top 20 sometimes. That's not ridiculous.
0: Yeah, actually, if we had Dave and Jamie on here, the argument might be different. But I I feel like the three of us are not taking. We don't see Joe Mixon as a first rounder in PPR. Jamie
1: has come around on that as well. Um, I think he is now taking Jacobs over Mixon. Like he is pretty concerned about this situation with Mixon.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not even concerned. It's it's exactly what it what, what it's always been. It's like, oh, Gio Bernard going to have a role in the passing <laughs> game. Yeah, duh. No, I think he is concerned oh, the, about oh, the, the, the murmurs
1: oh, okay. about okay. the migraine and the hold-in and if there's anything going on there.
0: And we don't know. Okay, I got gotcha. you.
2: And Adam, I've been taking Joe Mixon in the first round and pretty much any time I'm in that like, yeah. nine spot. And I can't take him in the first round right now. We're too close to the season to take any sort of risk when I love the running backs right behind him.
1: So, and I think that's interesting comparing him to Miles Sanders and Kendon Drake. And my take is that I'm just taking those receivers over all those running backs because I agree with what Shraggy said. And I, Ben
0: and I are definitely taking Miles Sanders, right?
2: I'm still, I was high enough on Sanders before the concerns that I'm still willing to to take that plunge. Not as high as I was, but like he doesn't fall down that far, for, like so far from me that I won't wouldn't draft him anymore.
1: I, I'll take him at 13. Um, but I'm taking the four receivers and I'm still, I'm, I mean, I've always been taking Eckler and PPR over him, but but.
2: typically one of those, so you have him ranked 13th, but typically one of those receivers is there at 13, right? Some of the guys you have behind it going. So, yeah, it's a weird discussion because like the way that you have it ranked might not be the way that it, that it actually lays out. But, uh, Sanders, I think around the one, two turn, I'm still willing to consider for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think that, for those of you who, you know, you're worried about, you're drafting a player and you're kind of like nervous about it. I mean, I think that's why the most recent draft I did where I had the 12th pick when I went receiver-running back ended up being pretty good, or running back-receiver, whatever it was. It was Drake-Julio Jones. I didn't feel like taking two running backs. That was a little bit too risky. So um, that was a full PPR league. So that that's an option for you too. A little bit like you get the safety with Julio Jones and you get a big upside play with with a guy like Kenyon Drake. Um, that's That could be a good way for you to start as well. <laughs> Yeah, go
1: ahead. No, uh, nothing. It was the same thing that I argue about every time we frame it like that. And there's no reason for me to keep arguing. Oh, about you're it.
0: saying Julio. No, Julio does have huge upside. Is that what you're saying? Right. But so he's also just, he's also safer than Drake at mix Mixon. Right. Like he's in a PPR Which is why league. I would yeah. just
1: take him over them.
0: Well, I did, but I didn't take him. Right. But I I wanted one running back and one wide receiver there. Right. All right. Uh so I said to you guys before the show, I got a lot to talk about. We got to go really fast. <laughs> oh, well. Um, Daryl Henderson expected to be ready for week one. So Heath, give me your two cents on when to draft the Rams running backs. I I was pretty
1: disappointed in our most recent draft that Cam Akers was taken right before me and I had the 11th pick in the sixth round. Um, I probably wouldn't have taken him more than like 10 picks before that, but sixth round for Cam Akers feels right. I like, I'm glad Daryl Henderson's going to be back for week one, but I'm still pretty down on him for missing this practice time when he, because he's not an established veteran that they knew what they had. He has to prove something. He didn't prove anything at all last year. So I'm probably still not taking Henderson until round 12. And I took Malcolm Brown in round 22 of the same draft that I just missed Akers. I think he should go probably in like, the late teens, but I still Mm -hmm. expect Malcolm Brown to start week one. And I probably think he'll score the most fantasy points amongst Rams running backs week one.
0: Okay. I, in this draft that Heath is talking about, I took cam Akers two picks before Heath in round six, three picks before Heath in round six. I took Daryl Henderson in round nine, middle of round nine. Um, all right. Uh, the jets are acquiring Kalen village. Does this matter? Play it matters the, in that it's hilarious.
1: Yes, <laughs> like, play, play the, the trick. laugh trick. Play yeah. the laugh track.
0: <laughs> Adam Gase.
2: Oh, man. I mean, Trading for a running back is always usually a bad move. Trading for a really, really bad running back, I don't care if it's a conditional seventh round pick, you gave up something, anything for Kalen Bellage in a trade.
0: Uh, does it matter for Le'Veon Bell? No. Okay. Rex Burkhead has been involved for the Patriots. He's not invisible. Does that matter? I took
1: Rex Burkhead in the twenty fourth round of the <laughs> draft. We keep citing. Um, I think it matters for the upside of Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, Lamar Miller, whichever one wins that job. Because I don't is if Rex Burkhead is healthy, I think he's going to touch the football six to eight times per week. With James White taking passing downs work, that
0: makes it really hard for the other guy to be a great
1: fantasy option.
2: Bingo.
0: Pete Carroll says Carlos Hyde will be a big factor for Seattle. Do you buy it?
2: No. You can't buy anything Pete Carroll says.
0: (laughs) That's kind of true. (laughs) Uh, Philadelphia left tackle Andre Dillard is out for the season with a torn biceps. That is the second starter on the offensive line. Uh, to go out. I was worried about left tackle before Andre Dill. He's completely unproven. Uh, this does feel like a big story in terms of just the Eagles offensive line, which has been a great offensive line. Um, and, you know, we love Miles Sanders. Carson Wentz is a, you know, high draft pick. What what are your thoughts here, guys? Is this a, How big of a deal is the Eagles offensive line in general?
2: I think it's pretty significant. Did you say Dillard's unproven? He was good last year, right? He was like very
0: good. Not at left tackle. He's moving to left tackle.
2: Oh, well, now they're going to have to move Jason Peters out there. He was re-signed and brought back to take over the guard spot, and now he's probably going to be back at left tackle. Jason Peters is still probably pretty good, but he's older, and if they keep running into more injuries, if, if Peters can't stay healthy, they're going to be in a tough spot.
1: I'm going to like I took Carson Wentz in the 12th round of the draft that we did today. I'm going to revisit my Eagles um, overall offensive efficiency today.
0: So, yeah, I think it does matter their state of their offensive line. Okay. I'm, do you guys, can you confirm that? I'm pretty sure he did not. Peters was their left tackle last year, right? And so yeah, I was just gonna look it up, but they're I, swinging him I, over to the left side. He
2: was their first round pick last season, and I remember a lot of positive buzz about him, if I recall. I,
1: I know in camp he had been getting pushed around a lot, but yeah. um I don't recall. I I think you're right, Adam, but I wouldn't Wager anything so, on that? Yeah, I would never play, wager on that. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't
2: play full time. I'm looking at his snaps throughout the year. He did play full time from about week six to week nine, and then he played a lot again in week twelve. And maybe that's just when like Peters was missing some time or something.
0: Okay. Uh, so Saquon Barkley, there was been a there was a report uh, that maybe he could be more involved in the passing game. I've He's been kind of like a 60-catch guy somewhere around there since the second half of his rookie season. First half of his rookie season, he was Matt Forte. He was like a 115-catch guy. Uh, Then Since then, more like a 60-catch guy. What do you think for Barkley? How many catches?
1: 60-ish. Yeah, like Daniel Jones is a bigger concern for me than anything just because that style of quarterback doesn't generally lend itself to a lot of, um, and it didn't last year. I think he was on an 80-target pace in games with Jones. So if he gets 80 targets, it's probably 60 catches.
0: Okay. Hey, we got a new podcast, Fantasy Football Today in Five. First episode drops on August 31st. What is Fantasy Football Today in Five? It's a five minute show. Okay. So it's first thing in the morning. You listen to it, you get your quick fix. Then you come over, you listen to this big long podcast uh, for an hour. And we tell you everything else you need to know. But just want a quick little uh, update on what you, what you need in terms of analysis, in terms of news for fantasy football. Fantasy football today in five. Again, the first, you can subscribe right now. The, epi- the podcast already exists. But the first official episode will be on August 31st, very early in the morning, first thing in the morning when you wake up. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your smart speakers, anywhere else podcasts are found. Hmm, going to have to skip around here in the notes. Let's get to the ADP risers at this point. Okay, James Conner on CBS. I got three risers and three followers. James Connor. You know, Heath can reference the draft that we just did because he was, I'm sure, very pleased.
2: I'm sure it took Connor To
0: get him in the third round. I thought Heath was going to take him in the second round. Heath ended up getting him early in the third round, but he's he's currently up three spots to 31st overall that might keep on rising. When should we take James Connor? Um,
1: I would say that the third round is a great time to take James Conner. Um, for me, he's, and Jamie has talked about Aaron Jones being the bridge back. Um, James Connor's that guy. And I've, I've kind of come around on Chris Carson and having concerns about him. I've dropped him a little bit in my rankings, but I still feel pretty good about Conner at the end of that run of running backs that uh, are solid high end number two backs.
2: I pretty much agree with all of that. I, I've gotten a little bit more excited about Jones actually, so I'm I'm moving him up a little bit. Um, but I was going to say I would be more excited to take Connor at his ADP than the Mixon, Jacobs, and Chubb trio that we talked about earlier. Um, and Connor is the one guy from that group that I've been railing on all off season: Gurley, Gordon, Carson, Bell, David Johnson, Fournette is the one guy that has now moved ahead of Jonathan Taylor in my rankings. Mm. He moved Jonathan Taylor down a spot. So, so Ben, let me, let me,
0: let me just pick this apart a little bit. Okay. Oh no. Because if James Connor continues to rise, you probably can't choose to take him at his ADP over Chubb, Mixon, and Jacobs. You probably have to choose one or the other because yes, if you're saying I'll, I'll take a wide receiver in round two and skip those guys and then I'll take Connor in round three. Great. But what if you don't think you're going to be able to get James Conner with your next pick, and you just straight up have to choose Joe Mixon? I don't take
2: him. Yeah, I'm not suddenly like going to jump all over running backs because of of James Conner. But yeah, if I get him at a good value in the third round, I'll take him.
0: All right. The height of James Conner, 2018, was probably worthy of like a top eight pick. Uh, He probably won't get the same workload, like I've been mentioning. They don't give him the carries, but... Will he get the catches? That's a big question for me. Will he get... He's been a big part of the passing game.
1: He was RB6 playing 13 games in 2018. He was RB9 before he got hurt last year. So I think the expectation is he's going to be... like You're getting a top 12 back on a per-game basis. Let's see how many games he can make it through. And listen, if we're going to draft Dalvin Cook fifth, we probably shouldn't drop James Conner down to the third round.
0: Okay, so how about Juju Smith-Schuster? He's the next riser. Steelers are on the rise. He's up four spots to 42nd overall. Still after Adam Thielen and Amari Cooper, before DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley. I think our rankings are going to be a lot different than the ADP. But Juju's on the rise right now, and Ben, it makes sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels like a little bit of a correction there, too. Up to 42nd overall almost feels a little bit on the lower side. Um, you, you see him go in the late second in some formats, not frequently, but typically in the third round, uh, that's still an early fourth round pick. So, yeah, I think this is a guy we've talked about as having the potential. If, if Roethlisberger's right to be right up there with the target leaders in, in the entire NFL, um, obviously he's got to be right as well, but uh phenomenal prospect, immediate producer at a very young age, immediate monster second season at 22. Then he has a down year last year at 23, but you got to give him one mulligan and, and you you go back to the well. At least I'm going to.
1: I will be very curious um, when we do this next week if he's still rising. Because the and I I think he's still too like he's at least around too low. Um, but the reports the last couple of days have been very favorable to non Juju Smith Schuster pass catchers. <laughs> And there was a report that came out from the Athletic, I think, today that said that it's been hard
0: to spot highlight things that he's doing well. I just I feel like he hasn't been on the field that much, Juju. I thought I that think that's was true. Yeah. I guess partially part of the, true too. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that's one of those reports we talked about like what reports do you care about? Like that's an opinion. Like we like the the ones that are talking about usage. He's running with the first team, this, that, and the other thing. Like, oh yeah, I I'm not gonna weigh that too much personally.
1: I, I agree with that other than I do think you should weigh negative opinions more than positive opinions Fair. Um, because yeah. most of it's fluff right now.
0: Yeah. Well, I had a segment Fair. in today's show that I doubt we'll get to called a trip down memory lane. I looked at um, August 14th through the, like the 28th of my notes last year just to get some of these types of reports and see which ones were, were accurate. Like uh, Philadelphia likes JJ Ortega Whiteside, who could be a factor this season according to Yahoo!. Matt Nagy says Mitchell Trubisky is recognizing defenses much better this season. <laughs> uh, Sorry, but just... but to be quiet, I, and I have a note from August sixteenth last year that says Todd Gurley ran one hundred miles per hour, so he must have done something really fast in in practice or something. I don't know. And also, the Charlotte Observer said this about Curtis Samuel last year: he makes one or two plays every day that bring a wow factor, and it's a safe bet that the same continues once the regular season gets underway. Now, I've I've highlighted the funny ones. The truth is, the reports that I found in my notes, my podcast notes, were pretty good last year. Like they were pretty accurate. They they led us in the right direction a lot. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe we'll have a chance to go through some of those uh, those good ones. And what's so different about this year is the reports
1: are all we get.
0: I know. Like yeah. <laughs> we got yeah.
1: nothing else except for if you want to watch highlight videos of catches. Um, T. Yeah, y. I'm Hilton.
2: Now there was a note oh. here you had that DJ Chark was the most impressive receiver for Jacksonville. That's one we should have listened to.
0: I know, yeah. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is up 10 spots to 60th overall. He's still going after Keenan Allen and A.J. Brown, but before DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, and Cortland Sutton. And if if Metcalf, McLaurin, and Sutton are round six picks, you're going to like your round six pick. But uh, T.Y. Hilton is on the rise, and this one didn't really, I don't know where it came from. Uh, I'd say some name recognition. Should he be uh, ahead of Metcalf, McLaurin, and Sutton? He
1: no. should be. He should not be. Like his ADP before this was seventy-two,
0: right? Six seventy, I think. That's too low. He should be rising. All those wide well, receivers feel too low.
2: I'm taking all of those young guys ahead of Way Hilton. Every day of the week and twice on Sunday, personally.
1: Surprising absolutely no one. <laughs> no, I, I am taking McLaurin. Um, I would definitely take T. Y. Hilton over Metcalf. What about Sutton? Coin flip. Um, I'd probably take Hilton, but it's close.
0: Okay. We're gonna take a quick break here on fantasy football today. We've got ADP fallers on CBS, Josh Allen, DeAndre Swift. Um, and did I not? Oh no, I need another one. I need another faller. I only found two. Okay. I'll do that during the break. And then we'll look at ESPN and Yahoo and Heath will tell you where the value is. And, um, yeah, we got some more stuff. Hopefully we'll have time for it, but we'll be right back uh, with some ADP fallers. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. 12 spots to QB nine now 66th overall, but uh, you know, uh, there won't be nine quarterbacks off the board in the first 66 picks in our drafts, but Hey, maybe in your drafts, they will. He's behind Tom Brady. He's behind drew Brees. Josh Allen is falling. Uh, ben, does that make sense? Josh Allen falling?
2: Yeah, a little bit. There's, you know, talk that he doesn't want to run as much. I'm more excited now. And probably earlier I was focusing on Allen first rushing, but I'm more excited now in Matt Ryan and, I had moved Carson Wentz ahead of him. I got to rethink that with the offensive line issues in in Philadelphia, but yeah, I'm, I'm bumping Allen down a little bit myself as well.
0: Okay. Uh, Next is Deandre Swift. He's down 11 spots to 67th overall, just after Josh Allen. Deandre Swift is now going after Raheem Mostert and Ronald Jones, but before Kareem Hunt and Cam Akers, Cam Akers is also down eight spots. Swift is banged up a little bit. Heath, um, is that contributing to it? And is 67th overall the right time for Swift?
1: I think we're now at a full week without DeAndre Swift practicing, right? Close, yeah. Uh, I think it was last Thursday when he injured it. So, yeah, I think this makes sense. I, as I was saying, I would I would rather have Acres right now than I would Swift. Um, and I think round six is a good spot for both of them. So this makes more sense to me than round five did.
0: AJ Green is a faller, down eight spots. Now, I don't really get what's going on with our wide receiver ADP. If this is actually happening, then, then, then that's just really interesting to me. But, uh, like, he's 97th overall. And he's going in, like, Will Fuller's 96th. Michael Gallup's 96th. Jarvis Landry, 96th. Uh, oh, you know what? I, I'm looking at it. Okay, I'm actually a roundoff. Look at a different column. What am I looking at? Uh... Oh, okay. Sorry, he's eighty first overall. AJ Green, my bad. Eighty first. It's still kind of late. And Tyler Boyd, Devontae Parker, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry, eighty to eighty to eighty second overall. Um, what do you think, Heath?
1: That's like I took AJ Green in our draft today in round <laughs> seven. So mm. I think like that's probably that's that's where I'm. Comfortable with the risk. The other guys don't really fit with AJ Green because they all have better floors for sure. Um, but I don't think anybody in that range has a better upside.
0: Right. There's a question of when do you pull the trigger on AJ Green? You know, what's the answer there? Like who has to be off the board before you're like, all right, it's time. It's it's round seven for me.
2: Uh, for me, yeah. it's after Fuller's off the board, it's after Gallup's off the board, it's after Boyd. It'd be before Keenan Allen, but I don't usually get him.
0: Yeah, well, Heath takes them, I guess. Yeah, took them in the draft we did today. Okay, Heath, should I uh, should I stop drafting on CBS and just go win on other websites?
1: No, you should <laughs> definitely not do that. That would be an unpleasant experience because nobody's product is as good as ours. It's true, and everyone yeah. should draft on CBS, but I have a draft on Sunday that's on um, ESPN, and I have one on Wednesday that's on Yahoo. Like that, that happens. We play on different sites, so it's good to know where the values are. What do you want me to give you these, like two or three at a time? How would you like to do this?
0: Yeah, why don't you give us these three? So we'll look at ESPN first and these three wide receivers that you've identified right out of the gate as good values. And
1: ESPNs, um, it's good to know what the, like, the standard setting is at each of these places. ESPNs is full PPR. Yahoo's is half PPR. So just kind of keep that in mind. Shockingly, Devonte Adams is 19th in ESPN ADP as the fifth wide receiver behind DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, and Michael Thomas. Calvin Ridley is wide receiver 20 in the fourth round, which fourth round for Calvin Ridley is what we're seeing on a lot of sites, but wide receiver 20 right behind him, Cooper Cup at wide receiver 21 (laughs) at 45th overall.
0: Yeah, that's... uh... That's pretty damn good, yeah. I would I would not mind starting my team with two running backs. Although if Devontae Adams were there, I'd, I'd have to take him late in the first round, and then getting Calvin Ridley, Cooper Cup. I and mean, then this if makes, three receiver league, you take all
1: three of them. This makes the Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams start possible from the middle yeah, of the draft.
0: It's true. Uh, James Connor is going fifty first overall. I don't think we have to expand on that, but. Um, James Conner draft, yeah, draft
1: him yeah, <laughs> round four happily
0: <laughs> and Tariq Cohen 90th overall. Yeah. I guess we don't have to expand on that. Um, so Hayden Hurst tight end 12, 112th overall. I drafted him today in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is amazing. Uh, in round eight and like, that was a, an eye opener for me because a lot of times I'm ending up with Hunter Henry, or Darren Waller, because someone's reaching for Hurst before the end of that tier of three in front of him. And I think that's only an industry thing. That is not happening in normal drafts. And if you want to wait on tight end, Hayden Hurst is probably going to be there in round nine or ten. Deep sleepers on ESPN Heath. Yeah. Um, Antonio Gibson at pick 147. Chase Edmonds at pick 187, Johnu Smith at pick 189, and Alan Lazard at 190.
0: I think Ben would be very happy with the running backs I took and <laughs> the team that we just drafted. <laughs> but I was, because I I think, I didn't take Chase Edmonds, so I think I took Alexander Madison. How do you choose between Alexander Madison, I have Latavius Murray and Madison, that's what it was. Latavius Murray, Alexander Madison, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard. Like, How do you decide who you want?
2: um it depends on the rest of your running back group for me like I'm usually waiting a little longer for running backs and then when I'm building out my running back group I want a mix of upside and startable players I mean I don't just shoot for floor but I need a couple of guys that have some floor and then Pollard and Madison are obviously they're they're more pure handcuffs I think Evans could have a role uh who was the other you said Latavius yeah. I have those guys all ranked within five spots of each other in my, <laughs> yeah. in my yeah. rankings. I have Edmonds highest then Madison Pollard, and then Murray two spots behind Pollard. But all of those guys I would take, uh, depending on where I'm at and, and what I've built out so far. Um, it, it would just, it, it would be, uh, when you're drafting a team, you got to consider like what, what, what do you have covered? Do you have floor covered at this position? Do you have, uh, enough upside built into your roster. Edmonds, I think, has tons of upside and some potential standalone value. That's why he would be highest for me. But okay. Madison Pollard are both upside guys as well.
1: I think it's an interesting exercise to ask. like, If you told me, this hopefully doesn't happen, but all four of those starters are not playing,
0: who do you rank the highest? Uh,
2: probably Pollard.
0: Latavius. I just I, saw it last year, and he had two week-winning games. Yeah, I think it's Latavius or Paul- I don't know. I, I Maybe think Madison for, actually. I that's the thing
2: is
1: like <laughs> Madison has probably the most likely back to get injured in front of him. Yeah, but Madison would probably be fourth for me <laughs> if that were to happen because I'm less certain that he would get all the targets. I think they'd all be really good though. <laughs> <laughs> be yes, really they'd good. all be top twenty running backs. Yeah,
2: this is a super important discussion. Speaking of super important discussions, when you're taking your backups, think about this question: If they actually get their chance, how good would they be? Not just oh, I think that guy in front of him is injury prone he's going to get hurt. That stuff's hard to predict. How good would he be? How much are you giving yourself legitimate upside?
0: Okay. Uh, so to, to recap ESPN, Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, Cooper Cup, they're going too late. Uh, Devontae Adams, 19th, Ridley 42nd, Cup 45th as wide receivers 20 and 21. James Connor is 51st overall, Tariq Cohen, 90th overall, Hayden Hurst, 112th overall, the 12th tight end off the board. Deep sleepers on ESPN, Antonio Gibson, Chase Edmonds at one Antonio Gibson at 147, Edmonds at 187, Johnny Smith 189, Alan Lazard, 190th overall. And it probably
1: doesn't matter what those numbers are um, because most drafts on in, these two sites are not deep enough for people to be drafted. Like that is more of a percentage of the drafts where they're just not getting drafted at all. And a lot of those guys in the 180s aren't. Gotcha. So like those are I just looked for guys after the first 13 rounds.
0: All right, so uh, let's go over to Yahoo. Who are the stand Remember, half PPR, as Heath mentioned, that's the, the default on Yahoo. It's the two running backs in the second round.
1: Miles Sanders at pick 20, Austin Eckler at pick 23, and I love both of those.
0: Yeah, would, if you had the 12th pick and they were both there, would you take them, both of them? Heath? I oh. I might, if Adams was gone, yeah. Okay. Uh DJ Moore, 39th overall, wide receiver 14. Y'all know how much we love him. So, how about these mid round picks that you like on Yahoo Heath?
1: Yes, Ben. I'm gonna say something nice about Ronald Jones.
0: <laughs>
2: nice
1: <laughs> 87th overall on Yahoo. So I think it's a like a good question for Ben because I'm not actually targeting Ronald Jones. But if I was in round six or seven and needed a running back, I would take him. but as someone who has taken him at the end of round four or often in round five, if you are in a league where you see his average draft position on this side is this and you're not pl- with industry experts, how long do you wait and risk missing him risk missing him?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. It would have to, I I mean, I hope you know your league a little bit. If I don't know my league very well, I probably don't go much later than round six. Uh, The leagues where I've taken him in round four are non-PPR only. Uh, I'd like in PPR, I, I will start considering him in later in round five. But if you know you can wait on him, then yeah, I would push that back to round six. If you think there, you know, you're in a league with a lot of people who aren't really paying attention to these kinds of things and kind of just draft off the list, then I might wait till round seven.
0: Hey, uh, guess what? I drafted Ronald Jones in the draft we did today, round five. Okay, so Ronald Jones, pick 87. <laughs> you also like T.Y. Hilton, 69th, and Kareem Hunt, 75th overall.
1: Yeah, and I like Hunt more than Hilton in that range. I mean, I like Hunt more than Ronald Jones. So I'd be happy to take, like, if I could take Kareem Hunt in round five and Ronald Jones in round six,
0: I don't really need to take any running backs in the first four rounds. <laughs> Uh, Marvin Jones, ooh, 117th overall. Where's the respect for Marvin Jones? Come ben, on. would you
1: take Marvin Jones in round 10 or is he just, no, off your board?
2: I mean, I'd consider it, but probably the way I'm building my <laughs> roster, I wouldn't have a need for that type of a receiver at that point is the real answer. It's not that I don't think he's a decent enough value at that point.
0: Okay, um yeah, it's a good value on Marvin Jones. Zach Moss, sorry, I'm just going to wrap up. Zach Moss 135th overall, Latavius Murray 139th overall, and we've heard good things about Zach Moss. Maybe he's their passing downs guy, but 135th overall. We're talking some people in our leagues are taking Zach Moss uh I don't know, late round 6, round 7, round 8, 6 to 8 I'd say. So, getting him uh after in the double digit rounds is great.
1: That was the thing that I loved the most about this exercise was like guys that I never get to draft because of I'm drafting with the same seven guys every single time. Yeah, I'm like, oh, they're a nice value on this site. Yeah, go like, oh, over there where <laughs> Ben is not and get some of that guy.
0: All right, the deep sleepers on Yahoo.
1: Jamison Crowder is 155th Whoa. on Yahoo. Now he's wow. not as valuable in half PPR, but I think he's still probably a number three receiver. Yeah. Wow. Like. That would be, in my opinion, like the kind of guy you want to pair if you've got several high upside wide receivers that don't have very much
0: floor. Jamison Crowder can cover you. Jamison Crowder, his 16-game pace based on 13 games with Sam Darnold. 86 catches, 933 yards, 7 touchdowns.
1: Who else? Tony Pollard, 163. Christian Kirk, 166. Preston Williams, 179. And Boston Scott, 190. Like Ben doesn't even need his first 10 picks on Yahoo. Yeah, he can just crap. draft all of his guys
2: <laughs> in the double Kirk digit and rounds. Scott <laughs> are gonna be that late. Good lord. Wow. Um,
1: and I like the Preston Williams thing, he is I could have cited him on any site. I don't know that I can find a site where he has an ADP in the first hundred and forty picks. And I I just think he's like that's a guy who was good as a rookie in his first eight games he was leading the team in targets. Like that is a huge thing. And he was a monster his final year in college. And so if he's fully healthy, I, I think that's, there's no reason he should be available in the double digit rounds.
0: All right. So that's a, a recap. And there's a story gonna, on the website on cbsports.com slash fantasy. If you missed anything. Uh, check out Heath's story. Always good stuff. And I can say I have one fantasy baseball league that's not on CBS, and it is my best league because the ADP on the other site, the rankings on the other site, it's just just not, in my opinion, not as good as the CBS rankings. And, I, you know, you take advantage of it. Okay. Um, let's read those emails that I have somewhere in this big document of notes. Here we go. From Calvin Fournier. Hey, Jonathan, Joey, Jordan, Donnie, and Danny. See, I did not. He told us what it is. I would not have gotten it. I'm proud to say I wouldn't have gotten it. That's new kids on the block.
1: I had a new kids on the block shirt when I was a child, oh. <laughs> and you didn't know that
0: the name. I, no, I knew it. You uh, just said it too quick. What? I gave you like three seconds. <laughs> Uh, There's been a lot of hype over Miles Sanders, and I was all in at first, but now that I take a closer look at who he faced at the end of the year, I'm not so sure. His big finish came up against Miami, the Giants twice, Dallas, and Washington. He got less than four points against New England, and if he didn't have that one big run against the Bills, he wouldn't have had a big game there either. Does this concern you about Miles Sanders?
2: It concerns me that you said less than four points instead of fewer than four points, but that's all.
0: (laughs) Oh, the editor, editor editor-in-chief. I think it's a worthwhile point. The only thing I'd say is um, the Giants actually did have a very good run defense, but he wasn't good against the Giants the first time, at least per carry uh, the second time he was, but he got hurt in that game. But it is it is one thing that has always been in the back of my mind with Miles Sanders because I think the, the NFC East has a pretty tough schedule. They, there's some good run defenses in there, and they t- face the AFC North. So I don't know. I mean, does it does it bother you? Not really.
2: Yeah, he's a high-value touch guy. I mean, he had a couple of games. Like, one of those Giants games, he rushed for three yards per carry. He had 45 rushing yards. Then one of the Dallas games, he rushed for sub-four yards per carry. He had 79 rushing yards. But he caught five and four balls in those games. He caught um, three or more in every game after week five except one. So, if you're going to get three receptions every game and you're going to be able to score, I think it looks like he had six total touchdowns last year. It's not amazing. But you're going to be able to score maybe – close to a touchdown every other game. Late in the year, he was certainly doing that. You're going to be fine. You're going to be a good player with upside.
1: The the touchdown thing that Ben brought up is the thing that concerns me a little bit more than the schedule thing because they were using Boston Scott as their short yardage back at times last year. I don't know. The one thing I'll say about that,
0: Boston Scott had like three, I think, short yardage rushing touchdowns, and I'm pretty sure they were in week 17 after Sanders got hurt.
2: They weren't. Uh, we've talked about that before and I went back and looked it up. He had in the, the final four games is when he actually played a lot of a lot of roles. He had three uh, green zone touches in that last game and three of his touchdowns did come in there. Sorry, not right all of his TDs, but three, three of the touchdowns did come in that final game. He also had three green zone touches in another one of those final four games and a green zone touch in another game. So three of the four games, he got at least one green zone touch. He also had a four-yard touchdown run like back in week eight when he was still a very small bit roll guy. So he had eight different Uh, green zone touches. He was more efficient in converting three of those in the final game, but they're spread out across four
0: games. Okay, but he had the three touchdowns after the Sanders injury. Yes, he
2: did. Yeah, yeah, sorry.
0: Uh, I don't know for a fact they were all after the Sanders injury. I kind of think they were, and I don't even know if it matters. We're probably talking about something that doesn't matter anymore. Uh, From Tim Ware, getting ready for my upcoming drafts, been hearing that I should be paying more attention to tiers than rankings. What's the biggest difference between them? Tiers versus rankings. The
2: biggest difference? I've well, I always used tiers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just provides a lot more context is like the way that I would describe the biggest difference. You know when, you know, if there's a run at a position, you might want to jump into it. If specifically someone in a particular tier of yours gets overlooked or you know when to avoid it because a whole tier of yours got cleared out and, and you see value at other positions, I think it just helps you kind of balance the different positions. I don't Yeah.
0: It, Yeah, uh, rankings are two-dimensional. Tiers are three-dimensional. And here's a practical example, okay? Let's say a quarterback. You have Mahomes and Jackson in Tier 1. You have the next four, Prescott, Wilson, Murray, Watson, in Tier 2. Then you have Wentz, Ryan, Allen, Breeze, Brady in Tier 3. Okay, so let's say those six quarterbacks come off the board. You don't have one. You're kind of disappointed. Oh, man, I really wanted Kyler Murray but I didn't get a top six quarterback. Well, tier three maybe is is a huge tier with like six or seven quarterbacks in it. So you don't take QB7 unless you know he really falls to you like three or four rounds later. You wait and try to get someone in that next tier. That's the difference uh, of going just tiers versus rankings. From Kevin. I already added unlimited IR spots for COVID designated players. Um, is it going to specify a player has COVID on their player card? How's the best way to manager manage and monitor this on Sunday morning? Um, we are only using this for IR, not for players that are on PUP. What's the best way to deal with this? Because no, like there's a you may not know a player has COVID because that's personal. You'll figure it out, but. Um, there, I don't, I don't know. In yeah, dude, I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure that maybe there's there's gonna be a COVID list. There is now, so I'm sorry. I, maybe I spoke out of turn. But what's the best way to handle this in terms of who you who can go on your IR spot?
1: I think like you're going to have a major disastrous headache within fighting if you tried to put too many stipulations on this. I think it's probably best if it's just if they're out for that week, they can be on it.
0: So a guy hurts his ankle and he's out and he goes on IR?
2: Yeah.
1: That's what I would
0: say.
2: I would say so too.
0: I think you're gonna be able to know who has COVID though, or who's been exposed to COVID, who's on the who's out because of COVID reasons.
2: Well, okay, I
1: right. Is it that they are out because they were around somebody who had it? Does that that wouldn't matter to me.
0: Yeah. If if they are on a list or inactive for COVID reasons, um, whether they have it or they've been exposed, that w- it wouldn't matter that spe- specificity. Just, you know, they would both scenarios would be eligible for that spot.
2: But, but one of the things about this type of rule is you got to think about the headache you're putting on yourself. And if you're specifying that COVID thing and then someone breaks it and puts a different, you know, player who's hurt on the list and no one catches it. And then a few weeks later, someone does catch it and then it, you know, it comes up and he says, well, I, I saw someone so do it three weeks ago, but I, you know, I didn't point it out, but this, you know, I like do you really want to go look at everyone's roster every week and make sure that they're designating the right types of players or just, like, you know, do a coverall?
0: Okay. All right. That makes sense. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we got one more episode tomorrow for you. Send in your emails, at com. your Apple podcast questions as well. For Heath and the two Bens, I'm Adam. Talk to you on Friday.